praise you for your spirit, your authority, your dominion to rescue. Father, you know the needs that are here and the needs upon the hearts of your people. We thank you that you are the destroyer of addictions. Yes, God. You are the restorer of why the canker worm, pommel worm. You're the restorer of what crack and cocaine and meth and alcohol. What the destructive force, the curse of the enemy has done. You're the restoration. We praise you and we thank you right now for those who've come and who are here and those who've sent in their prayer requests. Those who are testifying, been clean a week, a month, two months. We thank you for the testimonies of your power that's operating. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is raising them out of addictions. Is raising them out of, raising us out of the ash hill. We praise you for that same spirit that death, addictions cannot hold down. Lives on the inside of us, the spirit of Christ Jesus. We praise you for who we are in Christ. We praise you that sickness and disease is under the curse. And we have redeemed, been redeemed by the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from it by the price that Christ paid. We praise you for our freedom in Christ. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. We praise you for breakthroughs tonight. We praise you that as we worship you, as we enter into a new realm of worship and praise, as we come into a spirit of unity, I praise you that the floodgates of heaven are being opened even more and more. I praise you for a spirit of unity. I praise you for love. The agape love, Father, just uniting us in purpose and praise. I praise you for the power of your word. I praise you, Lord. Purity falls from our lips. You said you desire people with clean lips and a clean heart. Thank you, Lord God, that we guard our heart and we guard our mind through Christ Jesus. We bless you and we worship you tonight. We thank you for those who are here tonight that we have prayed for. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You will complete it through Christ Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Let's give the Lord praise. Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Turn around, hug your neck, tell somebody that you love them. Tell them that you're glad they're here tonight. Look for somebody new and say, I'm glad you're here. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Bless y'all. Bless you, my children. Bless you, my children. Hallelujah. God bless you, brother. Bless you, man. Hallelujah. Beautiful picture with your children. Thank you. Got on my fireplace. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? Praise God. So glad to see you. You may be seated. Glad you are here. The Lord bless you. I want to make a few announcements. We've got Sister Joy over here. Uh, Monday, December 14th at 630. Uh, C20, which is the college group, they'll be having the Christmas party, so uh, you can see Sister Joy about that, and they're going to have a great time, so I want to encourage all the college and anyone you know, please invite them to come and be blessed, and we just thank God. Just y'all agree with us. Let's thank God the college group is growing into the thousands. We claim it into the thousands. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I tell you, it's going to be a joy when you see this is just lined up everywhere with young people and Hallelujah. If we have to we have a Saturday night service just for the college age. Hallelujah. Of course, the Gracetown kids are having a Christmas party Friday, December 18th, 7 o'clock here at Word of Grace. You can see Brother Shane about that. And then the Christian couples, uh, Brother Ricky and Sister Kathy's not here tonight, but uh, they will be going to Natchitoches Saturday, December 19th to see the fireworks. So uh, any couples want to be a part of that, they are more than welcome. And then refreshments are needed next Sunday night. We we'll encourage you to come next Sunday night. We're going to be having, seeing a great time with the kids and all that they've been investing the time, them and their parents have been investing into and the teachers to get the plays going. And then uh, invite people for Sunday morning. Let's have a great time. We're going to have, uh, do some different things and we're going to have fun. How I many know we're going to have fun in church? 
Amen. Intercession Tuesday night and the book of Romans will be continued this Wednesday. And so uh, we just bless you tonight. We'll be finishing uh, the letters to the book of Romans as we have finished today in the area of uh, blues and depression. And then we'll be going into the new, whatever new thing the Holy Spirit has for us. Well, I want to read to you 1 Chronicles 29. How many of you know the saints are 13 and 0? Uh, how about that, huh? And, and, you know, some people may be saying, you know, you shouldn't be talking football in church. Well, let me correct you on that. <laughs> prophet Chuck Pierce, very well-known prophet, he prophesied last year for Louisiana. As the football team goes, so goes the state. That's what he prophesied last year over Louisiana. So if it wrinkles your religious feathers that you shouldn't be talking about football in church, if the prophet can do it, I can do it. And so I'm believing that if God could take the saints, that's what he's doing with Louisiana, taking the bottom and bringing it up. And uh, my wife and I were invited to uh, the governor's Christmas party tomorrow night, but I don't have a, a, a tuxedo, so I'll let the others do that. Uh, I don't know if you like me in jeans with holes in it, but anyway, we've got a, a great governor. We've got a lot of great men and women in office, and, and I just believe God is going to shake the, ha the hearts of those who are for the wrong thing and bring righteousness back to our state. So let's just continue to lift them up and pray. And so I want to just read this with you. This is the message translation. First Chronicles 29, I'm going to start with verse 10. David blessed God in full view of the entire congregation. This is what he said. Blessed are you, God of Israel, our Father, from old and forever. To you, O God, belong the greatness. To God belongs the greatness. I shared with you this morning about the memory stick. You ought to stick this in right now and remember to praise God this way every day. To you belong the greatness and the might and the glory. And this is the word I want to give you tonight. And the victory. Somebody shout out victory. victory. And the victory. He's speaking that to you. To him belongs the victory and you are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, victory belongs to you. And majesty and splendor. Yes, everything in heaven, everything on earth, the kingdom, all yours. You've raised yourself high over all. Riches and glory come from you. You are the ruler over all. You hold strength and power in the palm of your hand. To build up and strengthen all. Shout out, I'm strong, hallelujah. To strengthen all. And here we are, O oh God, our God, giving thanks to you and praising your splendid name. How many know his name is splendid? Amen is the name above all names. And so we just want to praise God for the victory. Then it says over there in uh, 1 John 5, verse 12, in, in, uh, verse 4 in the message translation. It says, for listen. Well, that's, that's no, nope, I did it again. I'm in James. 1 John 5. Here we go. It says in verse 4 in the message, Every God-begotten person, shout out, that's me. Just as Jesus was the only begotten of the Father, you also are the begotten of the Father in Christ Jesus. And it says here, Every God-begotten per person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's way is simply the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How many of you right now believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Then you have a faith that conquers over every evil and every wrong and every bad that there is in this world and under this world and in the air. You've got the faith that conquers the world. That faith that conquered the grave dwells in you. And it says right here that every begotten person conquers the world's way and that conquering power. Say, I've got that conquering power. You have, brother and sister, you have that conquering power. I don't know what you're going through, what you may feel, but you've got that conquering power. And don't be discouraged. If you've been trying to fight, for example, I'm praying with a number of people, and I totally understand because I was there when my dad was fighting it. But when you fight that nicotine, 
spirit, you know, where the cigarettes, you just want to quit it so bad, but you've been smoking since you were 8 and 14 years old, and you want to quit, but it just seems so hard. How can I quit, pastor? I've quit a lot of things, but I have trouble with that. And you say, how can I conquer, how can I conquer that? Here you go. Download it right now, 1 John 5, 4, that that conquering power is inside of you. And you just keep praising God that His is the victory and the splendor and the majesty. And that His grace is able to help you conquer those things, all those things. Conquer our tongue. Conquer our mouth. Conquer uh, what our taste buds drives us to. Conquer to the lies and the thoughts of the enemy. That you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Do you receive that? Do you receive that? Hallelujah. That you are conquering every portion every part of your life is being conquered by what is good and what is perfect and what is that perfect gift that's from above so you receive that in jesus name amen you receive that amen with the ushers come forward we're going to receive tonight's offerings and tithe and father we just praise you for that all conquering anointing that our faith in you that he that believes all things are possible and i praise you that our faith is increasing even in the times you said in the end times, when you come back, will you find faith? I praise you that we are a people of faith. We are begotten of you, Father, through our faith in Jesus Christ. And we bless the most majestic, splendid name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the power and the all-conquering power that is in the name of Jesus. And we thank you even right now as we exalt the name of Jesus. That any type of hindrance... Any type of demonic strongholds, any type of mental blocks, any type of weaknesses must bow before the all-conquering power of the name of Jesus. I thank you for blessing your people, blessing their finances, blessing their lives and their health. I thank you that every sickness and disease is dominated by the power that's in the name of Jesus. And we give you all glory and power in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Open the floodgates of heaven. 
in this region, in our state, in our nation, in this world. We praise you, Father, as we've been able to study, Lord, tonight, concluding with the seven letters that you spoke through the Apostle John to warn us and to prepare us for the end times. I thank you that this word, Father, has been enriched and anointed and may fall upon ears to hear and a heart that's receptive. Lord, I just pray that we seal the words in our heart as you've written this to the church that you love so much, that you desire to be the head and the leader over, that the church goes your way, goes by your rules, follows your instructions. Father, we humble ourselves tonight, and we declare you are Lord over the church. You are the headship. You are the authority. Lord, we take your word. We don't take it lightly. We take it as a personal word from your mouth to our hearts. May it grow roots and may, Lord, you seal this word in our hearts that we may live. 
that we be found blameless on that day. That we be prepared for judgment. We be prepared to see you face to face knowing that all is well. That we are excited about seeing you and hearing the words of being faithful and good. Bless your people and equip us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you have your Bibles, we'll go to Romans. I mean, the book of uh, Revelation. Romans is Wednesday night. Revelations chapter 3. We had started on the last letter here in the book of Revelation. I want to finish tonight so that when we start again, we'll go into some new areas. But in Revelations chapter 3, verse 14, he's talking to the church, the Laodiceans. And it says, these things says the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. That needs to be underlined right there. We'll see that quite a bit tonight. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And I shared with you last week, the thing about being cold is a cold person knows that they need to get hot. They need to warm up. A cold person will try to find fire and try to heat up and warm up. A cold person know that they're away from God. A cold person know that they need to get more in tune with the Spirit of God. But a lukewarm person doesn't know it, lives in denial, and just live their life according as they want to. And the thing about it is it says that that type of person brings nausea before God. And how many of we want to be accepted? And we do not want to quench or grieve the Spirit in any way. And it goes on to say in verse 17, Because you say, oh, I'm rich. I've become wealthy and I need nothing. But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. One of the things I want to give you, I want to give you, I'm going to give you two different books to read that I want you to go home and read. And one of them is the book of Nahum. The book of Nahum is written prophetically. Jonah went to Nineveh and warned the city that it was going to be judged and destroyed. And the whole city repented. The king had the animals and the children repent and fast. But the book of Nahum is written later on where the city had fell back into sin. And God says, I'm going to reveal your naked once again. If you go read the book of Nahum, verse 7 says that I visited you to redeem you but of chapter 1. But verse 3 says, but everything you do in darkness will come to light. And he talks throughout that whole book there. Of, uh, and he gives the example of taking the skirt of the people and raising it above their head to reveal their nakedness. And that's what it's saying here. And so there's a lot of similarities between this church and the letter to this church and the prophet to the book of Nahum. So I'd encourage you to go read that book and just see the similarities there so that we can be awake and we can be prepared. And I want you to see in verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me gold. Kind of sounds like that guy on TV, but this is a different type of gold. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. And white garments, talks about the glory. That you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Lord, do that tonight to us. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. One of the things I want to share with you as we get ready to finish this letter tonight, I want you to underline or write that word down, buy, buy of me. And this is so important, church. This is, this, people say, we want to go deep. This is deep. That word buy means, are you willing to pay the cost it's going to cost you? That's what the word buy there means. To overcome, that your nakedness not be shown, that you may be allowed to sit upon the throne as I have before my Father, for I've overcome, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time on your knees in fasting and prayer. It's going to cost you sacrificing time on TV and time with entertainment. And it's going to cost you uh, friends. And it's going to cost you things that your flesh desires. If you're going to buy gold from me, 
to build on the right type of foundation is going to cost you. It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you your pride. To buy the gold that I offer you is going to cost you to where you're going to be, have to be willing to accept rebuke. Because who I love, it says there, after he says, buy of me, he says, you have to be willing to allow me to rebuke you, to chastise you. Because it's in those type of areas that he keeps us awake. And it's in those type of areas that we keep in track and we keep on track so we don't deviate. We don't go away from the perfect pathway of God. We want a Christianity that it doesn't cost us anything. I want everything already given to me and already prepared. I want the church to be like McDonald's. I drive in, I get what I want, supersize it, and I'm out of here. But I don't want to pay the price to prepare it myself. I don't want to pay the price to clean up after myself. I want somebody to do that for me. I want to pay somebody to pray for me, to pray in my place because I don't have time to pray. I want somebody professional to study for me and teach me because I don't have time to study myself and pay the price to look up those things myself. He says, if he's right in this church. He says, if you do not want to grow lukewarm, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. People are going to call you fanatics. Don't worry about it. It's going to cost you. Jesus told the disciples, if you're not willing to pay the price, you're not worthy to follow me. He spoke about taking of his blood and of his body. Seventy left him. He turned to the twelve. He says, will you also leave me? They said, oh, no. We know you've got the words. It cost. It cost us time on our knees to get the breakthroughs we need. It'll cost us time on our knees, sometimes weeks, months, maybe even over a year. It may cost us still on our knees before we even get to the point where we could clearly hear his voice because we haven't tried to listen to it because we were satisfied and we were blind and we didn't know that we had need. And I shared with you last week that we grow lukewarm and we're cold when desire doesn't drive us to fire. Desire drives us to fire. When I see a need, a need brings me to the place of desire. I shared with you about parents who bring their kids to New Orleans and Houston because they want to get another opinion. They want the best medical treatment or St. Jude's or any of these hospitals. I want the best for my child. This is my child. I just don't want our, our, our family doctor to give a diagnosis. I, I want him to have the best treatment. I want the best medicine. If I have to sell everything I have, I want to see my child better. That need drives a desire that doesn't matter the cost I've got to have it and that's what Jesus is saying if my church is going to be the way I want it to be and it's going to overcome it's going to have to get alert it's going to have to wake up it's going to have to get on fire it's going to have to count the cost and the word gold can gold can only be made by works that are done from the heart Anything done for eye-pleasing or anything done for attention is not gold, and it'll burn up. Gold is anything that's done for God and all for God and with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Everything that I can do, the best I can do for God, he says, that's gold. It's cost you something. You had to give something up for that. To get that degree, you had to give something up for that degree. It cost you to get that degree. It costs you to work and go back to college and continue and know you've got years that you've got to go back more. It costs. And that's why it means something. That's why it needs to mean something to people who come to you for help because you paid a price to get that degree. You paid a price to get that education. It's the same way with the way, with the Word of God and with the things and the meat of the Word of God is that, listen, we didn't get here overnight. There was a price to be paid for many years. My wife and I would come back and travel around churches and we would share our stories about the mission field. And it wasn't a church where people wouldn't come to and say, oh, I would give anything to have stories like y'all have and to have pictures with the testimonies. And we would show slides and videos of our works and they'd go, we would give anything to have something like that. And Cindy said, you would have to do what we did, live like we lived and be where we were to have the stories we had. Stories don't come free. It costs you. Testimonies don't always come free. Oh, we would love if just pour some oil and pray for you and it's done. Sometimes there's a cost. Sometimes there's a stand. 
And we're going to see in the Word of God that many times chastising. Many things that are a lot of times are not accepted by preachers today or churches don't want to hear about it. I thank God, like David, the times that I was chastised and I was corrected. And God called me on the carpet and God says, you're totally wrong about this. Your heart is wrong, your heart is evil, and you need to repent. I thank God that he loves me enough to correct me because it says here, who he loves, he will correct. Why? He loves you and he wants you to be able to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ's gold. It's going to cost. To be on fire is going to cost. To be on fire is going to cost. To be on fire is going to cost. The greater the need, the greater the desire. The more I've got to work on things in my life, the more I've got to be willing to pay the price. Now I want to read to you 3 John chapter 2. Because I want to get into some things that it's saying here. 3 John chapter 2. Welcome those by internet. Hope you haven't turned me off yet. But we welcome you and we're glad you're here tonight. In 3 John chapter 2, this is the Living Bible. It says, Dear friend, 1 John, First uh, John, no, 3 John 2. I'm sorry, 3 John 2. 3 John 2. It says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. How many of the Lord wants you healthy? God, God wants you blessed. Amen. But he wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. And he doesn't want the blessings of God to cause you to become comfortable in code towards the giver of all things. To where we become comfortable and things don't mean that much to us. And the simple things of God don't mean anything to us. But listen, it also goes about this. He, we want to be healed. But once we're healed, how much do we appreciate and honor that healing and take care and guard the healing like we guard every other thing? We get on a special diet to get healed, but once we get healed, we get off the special diet. That's not appreciation, that we get comfortable and we grow cold. It's a lifestyle, it's a discipline. Say that with me, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. So we see here that we may feel better and we may be blessed, but we can never lose our dependence on God. In other words, I prosper as my soul remains dependent upon God and gives him glory for all the things that he has given me. And I do not get comfortable in my blessings. He says there's a potential of dying here when he said in Revelation 3.17, you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. He says, you're blind. Or in other words, because you're comfortable and because you have everything that you need and you don't know, you don't have any need and you don't have to fast over finances anymore. You don't have to pray over finances anymore. You don't have to pray over your health anymore. Because you're so comfortable, your soul starts to get cold. But he says these things remain as long as our soul stays on fire for God. And so we have to be careful with these things. Let me show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me read this to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Not only does our, the prosperity of the soul open the door for blessings, prosperity of the soul keeps the blessings. And so I want you to read this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. And I'm just going to give some things, some food for thought. I'm just throwing some food for thought. I'm not preaching to anybody here, so breathe. <sighs> not preaching to nobody here. This is for those who are going to buy the CD, those good, faithful CD people. This is not for you, so go ahead and breathe. But, but this is, uh, y'all backing me up, amen? You got my back? Okay, four of you, all right. Deuteronomy chapter 8, let me read this out of the message. I love this, listen how it says. Keep and live out, live out the entire commandment that I'm commanding you today so that you'll live and prosper and enter and own the land that God has promised to your ancestors. Remember every road that God led you on for the 40 years in the wilderness, pushing you to your limits. How many ever has felt like they've been pushed to their limits? Well, congratulations. You've paid a price. You've been pushed to your limits. You've been pushed to where you could have gold. It says, pushing you to your limits, testing you so that you would know what you were made of, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 
He put you through hard times. He made you go hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something neither you or your parents knew nothing about. So you would learn that men and women don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from God's mouth. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister those 40 years. You learn deep in your heart. You learn deep in your heart. That's gold. That's cost. That's a price there. You learn deep in your heart that God disciplines you in the same way as a father disciplines his child. So it's paramount that you keep the commandments of God, your God. Walk down the roads he shows you and reverently respect him. God is about to bring you into a good land. A land that brooks and rivers, springs and lakes, streams out of the hills through the valleys. It's a land of wheat and barley vines and he just keeps on talking about the blessings. It's a blessing. And after a meal satisfied, bless God, your God, for the good land he has given you. And then he goes on to say here in verse 11, make sure. Say that with me. Make sure. Listen to this. You don't forget God, your God. Don't forget God, your God. When you've got the car you want, you've got the house you want, you've got the clothes you want, you've got the salary you want, you've got the blessings you want, you've got the vacation you want, you've got everything that you want. Don't forget God, your God, by not keeping his commandments, his rules and regulations that I command you today. Make sure when you eat and are satisfied, build good homes and settle in. See your herds and flocks flourish and more and more money coming in. He doesn't say there's nothing wrong with that. He says this. Watch your standard of living going up and up. Make sure you don't become so full of yourself that your things, that you then forget God, your God. The God who delivered you, the God who led you, the God who fed you, the God who gave you water, the God who gave you manna, something the ancestors never knew, to test you and see that you prepared to live well in the days ahead of you. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this, and again, all by myself, I'm rich and it's mine, it's my mind, it's my talent, it's me who got all this. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised you and your ancestors as it is today. If you forget, forget God, your God, and start taking up other gods and serving and worshiping them, I'm on record right now as giving you a firm warning that will be the end of you. I mean, I mean it, destruction. You will go to your doom, the same as the nations. God is destroying before you, doom, because you wouldn't obey the voice of God, your God. As you read Deuteronomy 8 here, uh, it speaks so much about the voice of God. I believe that it's a strong warning that if we're going to stay red hot for God, or white hot as we read the word in the Hebrew last week, as we stay on fire for God, it's so important that we stay sensitive and we stay to the point and humble it to the point to where we can hear the voice of God. Because how can we be corrected if we don't hear the voice of God? How can we know we've gotten blind or short-sighted in some areas that we need to be corrected in? I want you to see Proverbs chapter 30 with me. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Very interesting here that what it said. We used to sing a song growing up in the Southern Baptist Church. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And I, you know what? That is such a, should be a rule of life of thanking God for every blessing. I thank God for the latches on the windows. Because how many of you remember the times having boards to hold your windows so nobody can break in? How many know even latches are cool? Every little thing. I walk through this church and I count and I thank God for every vent and every light and and every little thing, I mean, it's just all so tremendous. When I walk through this church and I walk through my house, I feel like Adam in the Garden of Eden, that everything has been God-made and God-given, and he owns it all. And I just have the privilege of just walking along in what he gave and what he paid for and what he created. Every little thing. God went into detail in every stitch of the robe of the priest. Every part of the garment, everything is, is a blessing and beautiful and represents him. And we get to the point sometimes we just take so many things for granted. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into the custom of this world of wanting more and more and more. And we have to make sure that we want more of God before we want more of anything else. Because we are prosper as our soul prospers. Now listen to Deuteron uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Oh God, I beg you for two favors. Let me have them before I die. Verse 8. First, help me never to tell a lie. And second, 
Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Now, I'm not saying take a vow of poverty. I'm saying take a vow of thanksgiving to God. That everything I have, God's given it to me. It says here in the message, and he prayed, God, I'm asking for two things before I die. Don't refuse me. Banish lies from my lips and liars from my presence. Give me enough food to live on and neither too much nor too little. If I'm too full, listen to what it says here, I might get independent. If I've seen anything as an ex-missionary living in America is that there's an independent spirit. I don't like this church, so I'm going to another church. I don't like this, so I'm getting that. I don't like this, so I'm going there. There's such an independent spirit that no, how many are being led by the Lord and how many are making their own decisions? And what God cannot bless, what he doesn't guide, what he doesn't lead. And so I might get too full and I might get independent. You don't tell me what to do. How many times you hear, I'm going to take my tithe and I'm going somewhere else. That's an independent spirit. That's not a soul of prosperity. He says, I might get too full and I might get independent saying, God, who needs him? If I'm poor, I might steal and dishonor the name of my God. He says, beware lest you forget the Lord your God. A great man of God once said, the greatest test for a believer is the test of prosperity. You know, some of the things that, 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 that's important to do, that when we go, when we've saved our money, we want to buy something. And all of a sudden we feel led instead of buying that thing we've been saving for to give that money to somebody. How I many know that's hard to do? But that's the greatest test to see whether we own the thing or the thing owns us. When you walk with the Lord, it's amazing how many things that you love he'll tell you. He'll tell you to give. I learned that from my mom. I remember she had this yellow dress when I was in sixth grade. And there was this real poor lady and she, she, she wasn't mentally there. And she came to the church in Lafayette. And she'd always brag about this dress to my mom. And my mom maybe had three dresses. And I remember one day she talked to my dad. She says, Calvin, would you mind if I give that dress to that lady? And it was hard for my dad because it was her best dress. And she wore it so proudly. I remember the day she put it in a, in a bag and took it to church. And I remember seeing her give it to that lady. And it blessed that lady. Now, I didn't see, I personally didn't see the lady wear it a whole lot after that. But I saw the sacrifice and I saw even the pain that it brought to my mom's heart. But she did it. But yet I've seen after that how much many times that God had blessed my mom. And so the thing that we've got to realize is that we've got to always stay humble and ready. That even sometimes when he tells us to give things, give to it hurts. We're building up gold. We're getting prepared for things that, and how we're building and we'll get to that scripture. Look with me in 1 Timothy 6. Oh wow, where did the time go? 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's quiet, so it must be good. 1 Timothy 6, 6. I know they don't preach this way on TV all the time, but these are the words of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men, drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. With blessings and prosperity, with things, there's a lot of dangers. And I believe it's good to go over a message like this time and time again. And the other book I want to encourage you to read is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now there's a lot of people on TV who tell you it's a message of a depressed pastor. That's what they call it. So they don't want to read it because it's a message from a depressed pastor, which was King Solomon, the preacher. But no matter what they say, it's still in the Holy Word of God. And if it's in there, it's to be read. And there's a lot of truth in there. 
And they call it negative. The Spirit of God calls it wisdom. You know, my wife and I, since we've been here in the States, we've been given so many things and so blessed and so awesome. But I got the pictures, and I keep those pictures of our beginnings, and I keep the pictures of where we were and how we, and we talk. And we thank God before our meals that we remember having to split a cup of coffee, not even a sandwich. And then when we had to split a sandwich and all these things. And now, you know, we can go to about any restaurant we want to sometimes and even bring the kids and sometimes even bring my mother-in-law. And we remember, but, but you don't forget. And we can never forget. It's God who gives. And teach your kids that. And always remember the blessings and the goodness of God. Amen? Not to trust riches. The rich young ruler trusted him. And where did it get him? If I get dependent upon, if I get dependent upon what I have and what I can do, I get independent of God because I can do it all by myself. And I rob myself of relationship with Jesus. I need the Spirit of God. I need to dominate my mind, dominate my action, dominate my desires. The Bible says to delight in His Word day and night, then we will prosper. We have to delight in the Word of God. We have to keep it utmost and before us. Amen. Look at uh, Revelations chapter 3. Let me get to this here. Revelations chapter 3, verse 18. Now, I'm not preaching that poverty is a blessing. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. But what is the motivation behind it? And when, when, do, when does it become my God and my aim? And I spend more time thinking about what I want instead of more time thinking about God. He says here in the message translation. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me. Gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you will be rich. Buy your clothes from me. Clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes so that you can see, really see. Listen to what he says here. The people I love, I call to account. The people that I love, I call to account. Prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, and run after God. How many know that's being on fire? It's running after God. Look at me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me give you these scriptures and I'll come, uh, I'll try to close this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But this is so important to be reminded of this. Like I said, God wants to bless you. But we want to walk in wisdom. Listen to the message translation, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Because you know what? You know what I'm finding more and more? It's amazing how many people even confess that they go to big churches. And, and, there's, and, and I, I, I want to see, I'd love to see the church use businessmen in the church. But it's dangerous when people go to church to try to get more business than go to church to worship God. And some people will tell you, well, I'm, I'm going to that church because there's a lot of contacts there and I need to build my business up. Oh, so that's why you're going to church on a Sunday morning, be, Sunday morning because you want more contacts? It's about money. It's church about money. It's kissing up to those people is because you want their money and you want to be their friends and you hope it opens up some doors. Am I willing to hug on my little brother and my little sister who don't have anything as much as I am with the guy who's got the big fancy ring and the big gold chain around their neck. What is my motive? He says, buy of me that which has been tested. And listen to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. The message, it says, let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Listen to this. Remember, there's only one foundation. The one already laid Jesus Christ, whatever we do, play an instrument, clean the church, go to church, give our tithe, worship, praise, encourage, whatever we do, we're, we're laying on a foundation. It says, listen to what it says in the message, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection. If you use cheap and inferior materials... You will be found out. The inspection will be through the, 
be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. Your work passes inspection. Fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. Wow. Wow. How am I building? What am I doing? What am I doing this for? I come to church and I sing and I play and I come to church and I do the ministry and I help with the children, help with the nursery. What, whatever I do, pick up paper on the carpet because I want to honor God's house and, and, and hug on people and tell them I love them and reach out to them and bring my Bible, bring my notes and participate. I'm building with good materials. But if I'm going just because I'm lonely, I'm looking for fellowship, I'm building with bad materials. If I'm going for selfish motives, it will be inspected and it will fail inspection. But if I'm going with good motives that I want Jesus to talk to me tonight. Lord, I need a word from you. I want to see your face. I want to hear your word. Correct me. Step on my toes. Let fire and brimstone fall. I don't care. Let it fall now because I sure don't want it to fall before your presence. Judge it now. Show me what to judge. Show me how to judge what I'm doing. Show me to judge my heart concerning areas of my life, my pride and gluttony and greed, any area of my life. Show me areas in my own heart, Father. Open my eyes to see areas. I want to judge it now, at least it be judged by you, and it fell inspection and it falls. There's a cost attached. God loves gold. A lot, of people, a lot of men can say their wives love diamonds. Or a lot of people say their wife loves this and loves that. Let me say something. God's streets is made of gold. God loves gold. When Jesus was born, they brought him gold. All through the word of God, the four rivers in the Garden of Eden had gold. God has always loved gold. Guess what? A lot of people come up to my wife and we go around. And a lot of people say, what? What does pastor really like? What could I buy pastor? Come Christmas, what could I buy my wife? What could I buy my husband? What could I buy them that they would really love? Well, can I tell you something? God loves gold. He's crazy about it. He can't get enough of it. And gold means something that costs us till it hurts. And it's a sacrifice that we don't want to make and get out on a rainy cold day. It's a sacrifice about going to church when I'd rather be doing something else. When I do something as unto the Lord, even though I don't feel like it, but I do it because I want to please God, there's some gold. And God gets excited. I hear gold. I hear rewards. It's a heart thing. Lord, you know I'm only doing this because they're making me. Don't do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all still love me, don't you? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light affliction. Now, here's a man who was naked, beaten, left for dead, dead, standing in sewer up to his chest with rusty chains beaten many times, shipwrecked. He's saying, my light affliction, which is but for a moment. Listen, you're going through a hard time right now? It's not just what you have in the bank that's working for you, making interest. It's not just your bookie that's working for you. Your affliction is working for you. Your trial. Did you cry last night? It's working for you. Did you get hurt today? It's working for you. Did you get so hurt and so devastated here lately that you wanted to quit, but you didn't? It's working for you. Did you have people misjudge you, criticize you, talk about you, condemn you? Did you have somebody hurt your feelings? It's working for you. 
Did you feel like you couldn't take it anymore and you're about ready to lose your mind and you feel like I have prayed and I have fasted, I have stood, but I haven't seen anything, Lord? You said stand having done. I've stood and I still don't see anything. It's working for you. You don't see it yet, but the hardest things you're going to is the making of gold that is refined. It says, what you're going through, the affliction, for a moment is working for us a far more excellent eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The word affliction there speaks about a hard place. Why doesn't God just turn this around? Why doesn't God just cancel that, that, that lawsuit? Why doesn't God just change this? Why doesn't God just, why doesn't God just heal me? Because this would, be the, this would be the size of the gold bar if he'd heal you again. But by you getting in the word and by you meditating and by you playing worship and praise and by you changing your diet and your exercise, by you putting works to your faith, the gold bar is going to be bigger than this stage. Because when you're in the affliction and the trial, it's working for you. Something, it says here, it says here in the word of God, something more glorious. Something more glorious. Something more beneficial. Something more correction. The times the Holy Spirit has whispered to me. I didn't understand why. Why God? Why am we going? Why am I going through this? Why am I being treated this way? I didn't see the promotion down the road. Because it might have been down there a ways. But the promotion came. Why am I being overlooked? Why am I being treated as this? Why is this happening? My God, I don't understand it. He says, son, I do. Daughter, I do. I understand it. If I wanted you to already be there, I would have had you already there. Can I not do that? But when you get there, I want it to be something that will blow you away, that you'll fall more in love for me and be on more fire for me. If I just gave it to you, you wouldn't be on fire for me while you do it. But if you wait for it, and then it comes, you'll be on fire for me. And then that way, I don't only bless you with what you've been wanting, I'll bless you with even more. It's light affliction working. The price, the cost, the desire, and the result. It says, I'm going to cause you to... In other words, live out of your heart, and I will give you riches and glory. And I'll give you, he says, I'll give you medicine for your eyes. The word medicine there speaks of anointing. If you go through enough low places, you go through enough hard places and difficult places, when you stand there and other people are being blessed and you're not, and other people are driving up in a new automobile and you're not, and, and other people are getting a new house and you're not. And other people are getting a promotion and you're laid off. And you don't understand it. You're saying, God must be mad at me. Oh, no. He's giving you building materials that's going to honor and glorify him. Just don't you give up and don't you quit. Because when we get these things, even when we get these things, maybe even our own way. If it's, if it's not right and if it's got a hold of our heart in the wrong way. It'll be burnt up. And the thing you're still waiting for, when you do get it, you're going to keep it. And it's going to glorify God. And it's going to bless you. Your fight, every fight, every affliction, everything you're going through works for you to where you're going to get a winner's belt. And you're going to get a trophy for every part of hardship that you're going through. You're going through a hard time, you're going to be rewarded as a winner and a champion. You're fighting for your life right now. You're fighting for your sanity right now. You're fighting for your future right now. And you're thinking, why can't, it, why can't I have it easy like so-and-so? Just wait. You're getting the winner's belt. You're going to stand there real tall as the champion. You fought. You might have went down eight rounds, but you got three more, and you're going to get it. Don't give up because it works for you a greater weight of glory, which means there's going to be an anointing. You know what happens with that anointing? I start finding out there's more wrong with me. You know what happens with the anointing of my eyes? I find out I'm even more sickening to God and myself and to others than I thought I was. You know what happens with the anointing increases? 
The more I see arrogance and pride and the more I see I've been speaking and not the Spirit of God, God have mercy on me. The more anointing I get, the more disgusted I get and I can say with John the Baptist, oh Jesus, may there be less of me and more of you. I have to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, a perfect cornerstone. I have to build upon Jesus. I have to build a love upon a perfect love as that. I have to build peace on a peace like he is. I have to sacrifice and therefore be glorified with him through the things that I suffer to build on that foundation. As long as you're there with me. As long as I can see a smile on your face and you're saying, well done. Even in the midst of affliction. I won't quit. I will not be denied. Man can step over you. But promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from God. If you've been stepped over. If you've been ignored. If you've been looked over. Just know that God is building something in you that's going to last the test of life and time. And you're going to have a ministry and you're going to have a work. And you're going to have fruit that's going to last all your lifetime into eternity. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be blessed here. People tell me, you know why you and Sister Cindy you're so blessed? It's because the sacrifice y'all paid over all those years on the mission field. And I believe that God has blessed us a lot because of the sacrifice on the mission field. But listen... I don't want to receive my blessings here. I want to receive them up there. I don't want to get everything down here. And when I get up there, all I've got is a tricycle and I live in a tent. And I say, God, what happened? He says, well, you know, remember the car and remember the house and remember the clothes and remember the money. Yes, Lord, you gave me all that. Yeah, yeah. All you wanted was a reward. So like the prodigal son, I gave you all that you wanted to hear. And now you can live with us. But you got a tricycle. And Brother Floyd's got a beamer in heaven. Church, let's stay on fire for what's worth being on fire about. It's not about how prosperous and how blessed I can be. That's not what I want to be on fire about. I don't want to be about on fire about how, how many things I can have and how much stuff I can show my faith about. I want to be on fire about one thing, that I am that I'm approved of by God. I want to be on fire about what Jesus thinks about me. That's what matters. That's what matters. What matters is what he thinks about me. It's not the things. It's not the fame. It's not the honor. It's about Jesus. That we please him. That's giving God gold. How many want to go for the gold? Let's stand up. Yeah, babe. I don't have a handheld. The uh, scripture that he shared in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 17, about the light affliction and the eternal weight of glory. You mentioned money and that, in that scripture, the word weight can be confusing. But back in the day, in the Bible days, they weighed things out, and then they determined the value of something. They weighed things out in balance. And so it says there, for the light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for us a, a far more exceeding and eternal weight. Mm. In other words, every time you go through something, and, uh, I mean, it might not be death-threatening, but we go through things on a daily basis, things that are inconveniences, things that hurt our feelings, things that we have to deny ourselves on. Well, God begins to put that in a balance. It's a weight. Well, uh -huh. That little item that you go through is a weight. And it weighs down, and he compares that with his little weight to balance it out. And it, it reminded me of when the kids do a fundraiser, and they collect change and pennies and they have a coffee can and how much does one penny weigh it doesn't weigh very much does it it's like a little light affliction right but you keep putting it in that can and when that can gets full 
That's heavy, isn't it? So a bunch of these little light afflictions that we go through during the day, God takes it all into account when nobody else seems to care. Mm -hmm. He adds it all up, mm -hmm. and it weighs mm -hmm. to your benefit. Yes, Nothing is. is forgotten, and he sees everything that you go through. Yes, Amen. Amen. I just wanted to share that's, that. That's good. You, you know, I, I try to put all kind of little things all over to, to just encourage me. If you go in my office, I've got a pair of scales. And I have the scales like this, and in this scale is a crown of thorns. And I see that every day when I go into work, that no matter what, I'm working towards a crown. His, my crown cost him that crown. And that's the balance on the scale. That there's nothing that can cause it to be less valued. It's tipped the scale. His crown that opened the door for my crown that I'll lay at his feet outweighs anything else in this world. The other scale is empty because there's nothing that compares to the crown of glory. Amen. Father, we come before you and we rededicate our hearts. Father, I rededicate my heart, my mind, my body, ministry, my life, my home. We rededicate everything about our lives, our desires, our drives, whatever drive, desires, whatever may be in our heart, even the hidden things, Father. We pray, Lord, out of love, do correct us and chastise us as our Father does his son and daughter. We do want to be careful how we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that all things we do bring you glory. We submit to your handiwork. Because, Lord, even more than gold, you love us. We are your greatest treasure, bought with the price of the blood. Complete the work in our lives. Renew a right spirit within us. And, Lord, we pray as we have finished this small study that, Lord, may we learn from these seven letters and be prepared and be warned and take the precautions not to fall into any of these categories. That when the trumpet sounds, or if we go, we're ready and we're prepared to meet you. Give us your grace, because without it, we cannot do any of these. Have mercy upon us and forgive us where we have failed, because we are all sinners. Forgive us where we have failed. Ignite the fire within our hearts and help us to fan the flame. That you become our total and utmost desire. We pray and we ask this this night in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, listen, we love you. Tuesday night's intercession, Wednesday night, the book of Romans. If you need prayer, we're going to be up here to pray with you and, and love on you if you need anything. God bless you. Greet somebody. Tell somebody that you love them.